0: Good morning. I want to share with you this scripture today. It is one you know well. It is found in Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews. For he observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he had inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Of those three, which one are you more likely to have on your Christmas list this year? (laughs) Yeah, there's not a lot of myrrh shops opening up downtown that I can see. I always thought those were odd gifts to give a child. The reality is is that they actually were more applicable than I used to believe to be possible. Frankincense is actually, by tradition, a fairly healing substance. It lowers blood pressure, it relieves pain, it improves digestion, it protects, protects from mature loss of teeth and hair. I wish I'd have had some sooner. And it's effective as an antiseptic, and it reduces stress. Some suggest to use it in your bath to calm yourself down. You can see Mother Mary saying, I'll have that for my Calgon moments. And myrrh. Myrrh also is one of those resources of our past that still used homopathically for treatment of a variety of things, including respiratory problems, digestive ailments, and the immune system. They seem like odd gifts, but the fact is that they were right, perfect for the moment. To a family who was poor, who had no access to health care, probably couldn't have availed themselves of it even if they could find it, these simple gifts were given to a family who would use them to both care for Mary following the birth of the child, but also, you know, to be hoarded so that the child itself could be protected from future ailments. Gold, of course, makes sense to us, but when you think about it a little deeper, perhaps even more sense, because this poor family was soon going to be asked to leave and travel to a foreign land and live there for two years the gold, was given to them so they could sustain their family, so they could thrive, so that they could exist with this very precious child. The gifts given here are at one point seeming so bizarre to us, another point seeming so appropriate. And perhaps that's always been the purpose of having them specifically laid out for us in the story. It could have said they gave gifts but we wanted to be, they want us to know specifically the gifts because they want to teach us about gift-giving. Gift-giving is about finding the right thing for the right person at the right time and delivering that in a way that changes them and changes yourself. Because these wise men, when they arrived with their gifts... If there were any around, who would have thought, what odd gifts for a child? I think their response would have been, you want to talk about odd gifts. Look what's in the manger. Here in this place, and to you, and also even to us, foreigners from a foreign land, what is given is this amazing, unconditional love of God. So if you want to talk about amazing gifts, the wise men would have said, don't look at what we brought. Look at what God gave. Gift-giving is such a part of this season. You're engaged in it heavily right now at this time. We had a staff party Friday night, and we did the white elephant gift-giving. I've never seen such ruthless, cutthroat behavior in my life from people who love (laughs) Jesus. We love getting gifts. We love taking someone else's gift. The real joy of the season is being gift givers. The purpose of this season is to teach us that the God that we worship is a gift giver primarily. Giver of life, giver of creation, giving of your journey, giving of your mission, giving of your talents, and giving to us this child whom we worship. That's the nature of our God. And if that's our God, what does it say about us? That we as the people of God are called to be amazing gift givers. In my earlier life as a young pastor, I used to be anxious talking to people about gift giving. It always seemed a little self-serving, seeing I was drawing a salary from the very same people I was inviting to give. I always was nervous about being typecast along with others in the past who have made it on the front pages of papers, who asked people to give so that they could steal it and use it for means that were less than religious. I'm no longer bashful about giving. I'm no longer bashful about asking you to give. Because as we grow in our spiritual faith, we realize the ultimate way of spiritually disciplining our lives joyfully is to discover the best of us is when we give of ourselves. Our time, our talent, and yes, our money. What we give is a way of setting the priority of our lives. What we give is saying what we value. What we give tells us what we want to become and what we want to invest in. When we give the perfect gift, it's a way of leaving our legacy because someone other than us will remember that moment. Someone other than us will be blessed by what we have. We become co-partners with this gift-giving God. And so I invite you this season, as you're racing around to buy gifts, to realize some of them are just fun, and they're the white elephant kind, and just enjoy it. But for all of us, there are moments when we are asked to become the gift-givers of God, where the gifts that we give will change us as much as it changes those that we give them to always been the way it is, was intended to be. I'm very poignantly aware of the power of gift today. Yesterday, I went back to oh, our spiritual home place, one of the churches we served as young pastors, and, I was, and his wife. We raised our young children there. Went back to bury one of my kids. She's 48, but she was one of my kids, you understand, back in the day. As I celebrated Kristen's life, I realized what I was doing was celebrating an amazing gift giver. She was diagnosed with cancer 15 years ago. Her youngest child was three. He's never known a day when his mom didn't have cancer. But Kristen, this beautiful girl who I married to Todd and our daughters danced at their wedding as the little flower girls decided that she was going to take cancer along with her for the journey, but it was not going to define her journey. She had cancer. She would take treatments and she would do what was necessary, never concerned about what the prognosis was because today was full of opportunity to give. Today was full of opportunity to invest in her children, to invest in her husband and her marriage, to invest in the people that she loved, her sisters and her family, extended family. She gave of herself so richly and so deeply why she carried this thing like cancer. Because Kristen, in her faith, discovered that her Lord was a gift giver. And she decided that if she became a gift giver too, then she could imitate the God who loved her and would live with her through this thing that she had. December 7th, she stopped giving in this world. But yesterday I gathered with a church full of people who through tears could talk about the fact that they had been richly blessed by this gift giver. A husband who would never for the rest of all eternity ever have to wonder whether he was loved. He was. Children just now entering out of high school into college and one soon to graduate from high school who would never have to wonder whether their mom loved them deeply. There was no doubt. Her sisters and her parents and her faith community who knew that her issues were never more important than their issues. Yesterday, I celebrated a gift giver who's gifting invested her in something much larger than her life and much larger than her cancer. Her legacy, her future, her love continues today because she chose to be a gift giver. I invite you, my dear friends, to please hear this message from one who knows what it is to weep and cry in the face of a gift giver. There's nothing more holy or precious you can do in this season or at any other time in your life to leave yourselves open and available to give exactly what is needed to the people who need it the most and to invest in something larger than yourself. Because in that moment, you repeat what happens when gold and frankincense and more were given. They never thought they'd be part of an eternal story. But they are. And we are those who have the opportunity now in our life, in our faith, in our families, to give as an act of holy witness to the God who has so richly already outgiven us. Receive the joy of giving. Receive the joy of being the ones whom God works through right now in all the ways in which you're asked to give. It is a holy act and one of the great joys of the season. Amen.